Drew Binsky is a world traveler and daily video maker who has been to 191 countries and has over 5 million social media followers. He tells compelling stories about people and culture with a goal to spread positivity and shatter stereotypes. But because of COVID-19, Drew's adventures around the world have come to a screeching halt, just as he was looking to visit his final six countries in the midst of shooting a documentary. Still, because of his high profile in the travel world, many are looking to Drew to gain perspective on how the pandemic is unfolding internationally. Christina Pascucci had a chance to catch up with Drew, who gave his insight into how different borders have responded to the spread of the disease and what the future of international travel might look like. Here's Christina's conversation with Drew Binsky. Drew Binsky. I am your biggest fan. Um, I know we met so many years ago now, but since then you now have millions of followers from all over the world, and they're really looking to you during this time to figure out when it's safe to travel again. So what do you say to them? It's really hard to say. Right now we're kind of in limbo because I have six countries left. I've been to 191, and literally my last six, I kind of got screwed. So we're just kind of waiting to get the okay moment. And of course, we want to make sure that it's safe to travel again. But it's really unfortunate. Uh, I'm really anxious. I have anxiety from traveling in general. And now it's like, I just really want to finish. So as soon as it seems to be okay, and the countries are opening up that we're going to like Palau, which I know you know all about one of my favorites, then we're going to head out there. So you say you already have anxiety when you travel. What do you mean by that? All the visa stress that I have to go through, uh, going through immigration checkpoints, like when I'm in Yemen and Afghanistan, you know, every mile you cross, there's like a checkpoint. They check your passport and they check my camera. And it's just like I have to hide my profession as a journalist because we're prohibited in many countries like Libya. So just having to kind of lie and be undercover, it's, it's kind of stressful. And mm -hmm. over the years of doing it, it just kind of built up. And now every time I go to an airport, I'm just like, you know, like really anxious and I just got to get it over with. You hit an interesting word there with journalists. Because yeah. you are a journalist, you know, I, I think maybe you start out more travel blogger, Snapchat, yeah. and then it evolved and you're telling these amazing stories that get millions of views, go right. viral. Talk about um, how that process sure. worked or you know, how that evolution worked. Sure. I'm kind of nostalgic standing here because in 2016, I had my first real interview on this rooftop with KTLA and I was called the Snapchatter because that's what I was doing, yeah. which is basically just taking out my phone and, you know, taking cool, like, hey, what's up guys, I'm in LA. <laughs> But then it kind of gradual, gradually went into video making when my girlfriend bought me a camera. So now I do videos every day on YouTube and Facebook and Instagram. And I just tell short stories about people and culture. They're kind of like documentaries, like three to five minute documentaries. And I guess you can call me a journalist. I like to promote positivity in the world. I like to break stereotypes in countries like Afghanistan where people are too scared to go there, Saudi Arabia, um, as you know about as well. So yeah, it's been a really fun journey and um, looking forward to finishing the last six countries. What are the last six? The last six countries are Palau, Saudi Arabia, Ghana, Ecuador, Venezuela, and Jamaica. Is that a lot of pressure trying to remember the six? There's like, nope. like I'm hoping I don't forget that. <laughs> no One pressure. Of the six. I've, I've answered the same question a lot of times and I've been working with uh, the documentary crew to, uh, to talk about like storyboarding and scripting and what we're gonna do in the last six countries. So I've been planning a lot and it just, once again, it just sucks because Actually, May 15th, today, we were supposed to be on a plane to Palau. We planned this oh. like eight months ago. We planned May 15th, which is right now, to be on a plane to Palau, and there's no flights leaving LA, so we're screwed. And instead, you're here with downtown Los Angeles as your backdrop. <laughs> so what do you plan to do? You have six countries left. At what point are you going to say, all right, I'm going for it. I'm going to start the path toward the final six. 
when the borders open up. Um, but if there's a 14-day quarantine, we won't go because that would defeat the purpose. Mm -hmm. And the airlines have to be going. I just want to make sure that there's like life happening on the streets. I don't want to be filming and everyone's wearing a mask like that. How can I show Palau? Not Palau's a bad example because it's like an island. How can we yeah. show Ghana if everyone at the market is wearing a mask? That just doesn't feel right. So yeah. if it takes three months or six months, however long it takes, as long as we can get the okay there. And I have local friends on the ground and they're going to tell me, hey, you know, now's a good time to go. The country's opening up and we're going to take advantage because we don't want this whole thing to happen again in the winter or something and then it goes locked down again. So we're trying to just go, when we get the green light, I'm, we're all gonna get tested, make sure the antibody tests, whatever, and then we're gonna go. You're ready, you're chomping at the bit. You've been so waiting ready. for this for years. Yeah, I'm just, when I was here last time, four years ago, I was at like 70 countries and I've been traveling like nonstop since then and now 191 countries later, just, I gotta go, I'm ready. So what should we know about international borders right now? Because I think, you know, every country is different. What's yeah. the general consensus of how people are reacting? It's tough to say because you have countries like Vietnam and Hong Kong who haven't had new cases in weeks. And so right. they're like, open. I have friends in both countries and I just spoke to them and I'm watching their Instagram stories and they're out at restaurants and they're going to bars and clubs and it's totally normal there. No but way. Yeah, I swear. Yes. Wow. Yes. And, and in Sweden as well, I talked to someone in Sweden and he said the bars last Friday were bumping like normal. It's crazy. Um, but that's only like kind of within that country. And, and I think the strategy moving forward is going to be countries have a bubble. So New Zealand and Australia, they have a pact where they can travel within one another. Germany, Czech Republic and like France and Spain will have another one. We might have one with Canada and Mexico. Mm -hmm. So we'll kind of start just hopping over borders. I don't see international travel happening for at least a couple months maybe. And that's probably an optimistic view. Probably. I hate to say. I'm like crunching my fingers talking. <laughs> I'm like so sad to say that. Yeah. yeah. Well, you mentioned Sweden, which is interesting because they didn't lock down. They right. said, screw it. You know, people take precautions, be responsible, right. but we're not going to shut the economy down. So a lot of people look to them to say, see what impact that would have. They had a spike in cases, right. but overall seemed to be doing I all right. I think we'll know in a year from now we'll know who was the bad guy and the good guy and sweden might be like yeah wow they they did a they did it great the way they did it or they can become the enemy of the world and be like you guys were the, setting the wrong example so no one knows anything i should have probably said this at the beginning i'm just saying what i think you're saying what you think but no one actually knows what's going to happen and that's the scariest part right you have to see how it's going to play out right exactly and no one knows if they have it i feel 100 percent but I might have it right now. So that's also the scary part. Yeah, the asymptomatic the, piece. Exactly. Which also makes the international travel hard because you could be sitting, you know, six feet away from someone, but particles can spread pretty far. Right. I think we're going to, sorry to cut you off. I think we're going to have like immunity passports maybe uh -huh. in the future um, and or we'll have to get tested at the airport both leaving. So at LA, they'll have to test you. And when you arrive in the country, they'll test you on the spot. And if you, you're positive, they'll send you into a center or if not, then they might say go in. So that's probably the future. I could see that. China is another fascinating case because the way that they tracked their residents, I feel like Americans would never allow. But you hear stories of people getting off the bus and police are waiting for them saying, okay, let's go quarantine. You yeah. hear police just knocking on doors, coming in and forcing people into 14 day quarantine, yeah. if not longer. Yeah. So do you think we'll ever see any sort of, you know, the tracking systems that Google, Apple are working on here? I don't know. It's really hard to say. China's kind of, everything they do is extreme. Like when it first happened, I was actually in Hong Kong in February this year when the outbreak was, was happening. Yeah. And then that's when China was literally like, 
It's almost like they press a button and the people just don't leave their doors. That would never happen here. Even if like 10 million people drop dead right now, I still don't think they can force everyone inside. Just like the way Ameri American culture is. Right, it's American culture. So China can pull it off. I don't know. I guess that's a good thing for them because they, they were able to kind of put it under control. But once again, we'll see how this plays out in three, six, nine months and we'll see which countries did it the right way and the wrong way. So say they reopen the borders for Palau, one of your final mm -hmm. countries, and um, you go, what, what precautions will you take to make sure that you and your crew feel safe? As soon as I'm able to go, I'm going. And I know I'm gonna get some, some hits from my followers and some controversy, but I wanna be the first person to kind of bring happiness into the world again and make, make inspiring stories and start. There's no new travel content happening right now. It's like hit a pause. So I kinda wanna be the pioneer to go out there and people are like, oh, Drew's traveling again, he's making videos. I'm like, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. So as soon as we can, the precautions we'll take. If I have to wear gloves and a mask and a, a suit, I'll wear it on the plane. I don't care. Um, wearing a mask, of course, washing hands 20 times a day and getting tested right before we leave uh, in the countries if we can, just to kind of, and, and I'm going to be vocal about it. I'm not going to hide getting tested. I'm going to let people know, hey, this is the precautions I'm taking um, and we'll hope for the best. It's interesting because I, I remember vaguely that we were talking when you were in Africa right. and there was some sort of infectious disease outbreak that was having a resurgence in, was it? Ebola? Yeah, yeah, Ebola. Yeah. And, but what country was it happening in? Was it Congo? Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I, I can talk about that. I was in the DRC, Democratic Republic of Congo, about six months ago, and they have crazy testing. Sorry, they, have, they take crazy precautions where they'll make you wash your hands like every mile. So when you're driving, you'll have to pull over and wash your hands and then you'll drive another mile and then you have to wash your hands again. You do it like 10 times before you can get into the na national park. Because they went through Ebola like in 20, I don't, I don't know what year, maybe five or six years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and they've kind of had the system going to, to make it and it's gone away. Um, now with this coronavirus, I think it can be a lot worse, but at least that they, they kind of know what to expect because they already had a bad virus happen in the past. Like, okay, um, Korea, they went through SARS when I was living in Korea, 2012, 2013, yeah. teaching English. They have it down to a science. Like, they tested everyone. Like, if one person was found in this building, they would test the whole building like that day. And, yeah, it's amazing the system they have because they already went through it. In the US, it's our first time experiencing this since 1918, but nobody, uh, you know, that was like so long ago. So now we're kind of prepared. So if and when this happens again, we'll know what to do. How do you think America's reacted compared to other countries? We, we are so paranoid and we have freaked out and we hoarded all the toilet paper and we just did some crazy things because we're not used to it. Um, so I think we, we all went crazy and we panicked and I think now it's kind of calmed down a bit because we're used to living a life of putting on a mask and restaurants are closed. But I think we can all agree that everyone was on full panic mode for the moment for me was March 11th because that's when the NBA was canceled yeah. and I was watching the game when they canceled the NBA and then Mark Cuban was interviewed and he was like, what's going on? And then I had tickets to see the Arizona Coyotes hockey game the next day in Phoenix and they canceled the NHL and all the sports were canceled. And then that's when I think it trickled down and that was the moment everyone freaked out. Yeah, that was when the world felt like it was coming to an end. Exactly. Because sports are always, you know, the thing, sports is what unites us. Exactly. And so to have that taken away, it just felt like, where do we go from here? Exactly. And April and May is like the prime time for playoffs of baseball and basketball, sorry, for basketball and hockey playoffs. And you have uh, baseball starting, so it's yeah. tough.
Yeah, let's get a little bit more background how this all started and advice to anyone who is hearing what you're talking about and sure. thinking, I want to travel the world. How'd you start teaching English in South Korea? Start with that. Yeah, so I graduated University of Wisconsin, studied economics and entrepreneurship, and I just didn't want to work the corporate life. So I moved to South Korea to teach English. I got the travel bug when, uh, in junior year when I studied in Prague, and I just like fell in love with traveling and new cultures and new experiences. And so I went to Korea just kind of on a whim, my first time in Asia. And um, I, teaching English is a great way to get paid to travel. Um, yeah. You make a nice salary. You don't have to have any teaching experience. I was an economics major, um, but I was living in a little village south of Seoul, and I had a great time. I learned Korean semi-fluently. I did uh, Taekwondo every day. I got a black belt. No so, way. Yeah. I didn't hear that part of your story. Yeah. Oh, cool. So um, I trained in like a little studio right by my by my house. So Korea was a great time. I was there for two years and that I started my travel blog there, which I also recommend people. You can make money through blogging. And that sort of um, evolved into Snapchat, which is when I first met you. And then it just, it's a slow process though. Like it took me like six years from the time I moved to Korea until I got to where I am now. So it's not like you'll wake up overnight and, and have instant success. It's a lot of grinding and a lot of figuring out how to be unique. And you're the hardest working person in the business. I mean, you pump out content like it's nobody's business. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't know how I do it. I make seven videos a week and I've been doing it for like three years. Um, I just got it down to a science. Like I'm really efficient when I shoot, when I script, when I edit and I do it all myself. And then I post it and wake up the next morning and do the same thing. How's that on your relationship? <laughs> it's tough. I've had a girlfriend for the whole time for five years now. She's here um, in LA with me, but it's been hard um, to sacrifice, but she's been with me. So she's seen me grow and she's really helpful. She's the one that kind of inspired me to make videos and she's great um, overall just in pushing me to, to make content and she's just kind of my right hand man. So I don't think I could have done it without her to be honest. One man. What? She's a right hand woman. Right hand woman, sorry. <laughs> the expression. We love her. Yeah. Say it again? We love her. Oh yeah, you met her as well. She's the best. Yeah. She's, she's such a sweetheart and she, she really understands like marketing. That's her background, digital marketing. So she mm -hmm. knows like how I should promote myself and what platforms I should be on. And she's like all the behind the scenes that no one sees, she takes care of. So I could just thank her for that. She's seen it all, I'm sure. The breakdowns, the triumphs, yeah. everything. It's hard too because she has a weak passport. She has a Philippines passport. Yeah. So we can't always be traveling together because she needs to get visas and it's a huge pain in the butt to go to embassies and fill out paperwork. But we have been to countries like Pakistan and Iran together and 75 other countries and all seven continents together, Antarctica included. So no big deal. It's been okay. <laughs> Antarctica was amazing. And um, now I'm just spending all my time gearing up for the documentary that we're shooting. So I'm really looking forward to it. Yes. Any parting words you want to leave us with of, of what you're working on and what we can look forward to seeing and how we can find you? Yeah, we're making a 90-minute documentary called Border 197. It's going to be shot primarily in my last six countries, which I mentioned. But that's just the framework. Within each country, we're gonna go into more topics. Like when we get to Saudi Arabia, we'll talk about the world of Islam and I'm Jewish and what that means to me. And in Palau, we'll talk about sustainability and what that means to me. So yeah, it's gonna be tying this whole journey together. Um, we have really big hopes for it. And you guys can find me all over social media at Drubinsky on any platform. And the doc will be out hopefully within the next year. Proud of you. Thank you so Rockstar. much. Rockstar. <laughs> Rockstar status, Thank all right. You.
We'll be back with another episode of Coronavirus Daily tomorrow. Be sure to visit us at ktla.com slash coronavirusdaily and be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at KTLA Podcasts. And Christina is at Christina KTLA on Twitter and at Christina Pascucci on Instagram. Tell us what you think of this podcast by leaving a five-star review wherever you listen. Doing so helps us keep bringing you more content. For the latest coronavirus news anytime, visit KTLA.com or check the KTLA News app. Thanks for listening.